Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The producers of this podcast recognised the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Hello folks, welcome back to Mean Ages. It's Madeline West here with the gorgeous Angela Murray. How are you today? Well, I feel like I'm in the circus after that introduction. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, did you notice that my, my greeting of you involved what we frequently give, an appraisal of your physicality? And, of course, in a neat little segue, I have brought this up, of course, because of today's question. Everyone is scared of hearing this question. Let's take a listen. Hi, Madeline and Ange. This is Leanne from Bow Desert. I'm really worried about my daughter, actually. She's always been a fit and healthy girl, but all of a sudden she's convinced that she's fat. She's really restricting her eating lately. I think she's not eating enough, actually, so... How can I help her with this? Well, there you go. Let's unpack that one. So we've got a young teen who otherwise, up until now, has always been healthy, taking care of herself, suddenly seeing herself as fat, and we suspect she's restricting her eating. How do you crack open that conversation? Well, what conversation are you wanting to crack open there is the question. Well... Obviously, there's a sense that there is possibly an eating disorder at play. Um, that's what our lovely mum has suggested. Mm. How do we foster a healthy love of their body in our teens? It's a big question and it's a really, really big area. And when you're teen, you start noticing them changing their behaviours and making comments about them being fat. Your initial reaction is to say, no. You're so beautiful. Yeah, to give you another physical yeah, reassurance. A- appraisal. And even that can be dangerous because by complimenting someone for being thin or lean, that in itself sets them up to go, well, that's my value. And it also can increase their anxiety, as we've chatted about before. Like reassurance doesn't make them believe that it's not a problem. Mm. Reassurance doesn't make them think, oh, I was wrong. Of course I'm beautiful. Sure, I'm just going to carry on. <laughs> like fixed nothing it. Thanks. happened. Yeah. So where does it start? Where does it frequently start? And why do kids start to pick themselves apart? They start really early noticing themselves mm. and what they look like and things they like about themselves and 
you know, princesses in Disneyland or the princes in this show or the muscle men saving the day. Like they start to notice other people's physicality. But what happens when they become teenagers is they have this increased sensitivity to social comparison. Ah, to others. So they're rather than looking at what makes them like other people, they're seeing what makes them different. What they're capable of doing, which they weren't capable of doing before, is imagining what other people are perceiving them to look like. Oh. So they start imagining what other people think about them, about what they look like, and they start being able to make up stories about other people's experiences of them. And at the same time, because of, you know, developmental stages of them leaving the family and becoming more of an adult, their friends and peers and social groups and romantic relationships have become increasingly their focus and increasingly important. And so the more we denigrate or try to drag them away from their peer group, the less they're likely to actually confide in us. And also the less likely they'll develop into healthy functioning adults. Mm. Like it is a really natural and important step to do. Yeah. And generally this comparison and ability to be able to see and perceive how other people perceive us and how we increase our intimacy and get joy and excitement from our romantic relationships or the depth of intimacy that develops in our friendships as they're no longer just like guys we hang out with. They're now our confidants. They're now our people that make us make sense in the world. And most of the time that's beautiful and wonderful. But for a percentage of us, it's just not. For a percentage of us, it's really negatively framed and we see how we're not good enough, how we're not going to belong, how we're going to be rejected because of generally the most promoted thing about us, which is our physicality. Yeah. The way the look, the way we look basically just our whole aesthetic. It can be Mm. skin colour, it can be body size, it can be height. But the way we are perceived and seen physically by others. So how do we encourage, because it's beggar's belief, but I did read a recent study from the Butterfly Foundation that showed that 31% of five-year-olds are already restricting their eating to achieve a body ideal. I know it really begs the question of where the hell is society at. It really does put it back on us because the five-year-old is not creating the environment in which they exist. The five-year-old morphs and becomes who they need to be to be less likely abandoned in the family and society that they are born in. And they may be role models in storybooks. They may be role models in their television shows and they might be role models in their family. So it's who we make available to them to see. And Disney princesses have always looked the same, let's face it. <laughs> well, they've tried to make their waist thicker and their heads smaller in recent years, but I don't know if they've succeeded. Yeah, and there is always going to be a tendency towards beauty mm. um, as a as a princessy thing or, you know, the guy that, yeah, sure, they have, we've definitely tried to curb it and there's definitely efforts and they're really positive. But at the crux of the, at the end of the day... It is the handsome prince and the beautiful princess. And they have a life of happiness and connection and belonging. Yeah. And they're really loved and lovable. But it's getting more and more because, I don't know if it's because our society now could show it more, the frequency of the imaging, the increased knowledge about health, or who knows. But it's definitely a thing. 
That's the really technical term for this. It's called a thing. <laughs> Thank a you thing. very much, Dr. Angela. <laughs> and, um, and the problem is I can own it. Like I know that sometimes I'm like, oh, I have an exercise today. And I'll mutter that out loud and my kids will hear it. And they take that and then look for evidence mm. that we need to exercise every day or it's not okay. Um, or the parents that diet and say, I'm just going to do this diet. Oh, I'm just going to do a fast. Talking about the fast and the diet mm. or I'm feeling rubbish. I'm going to do a juice cleanse because then I can lose some. It's like do it. Do all the things. Just be really careful about what you vocalise and how. Mm. They're sensitive little souls. Of course they are. Yeah, and they're all looking for a way to better themselves because the greatest fear of all of us is to be not good enough. And it's so confusing because if we want to talk about commonality, the images that we see in media, more than any, are of almost unattainable odds and proportions. So how do we reflect images? I mean, is that what we need to do? Do we need to find a way to reflect images back at our kids of what their body looks like? Look, it's not, that's not going to be that possible because we can't, which is the thing we have to accept repeatedly as parents, we cannot control that. Yeah. We have to surrender to that and mm-hmm. say we cannot control what they're going to see. What we can control, however, is how we present ourselves to our children mm-hmm. and the thing that we notice about them and the thing we comment on. Like I see it so many times with adults and they go to their children and they point out a physical attribute. Oh, you look like you've been at the beach. You look really healthy today or you look like you're glowing. Your, tan, your tan's great or you look like you're lost weight or you look really, you know, like you've built some muscle mm. or you that look dress happy. looks great on you. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't make comments about, you know, did you enjoy what you did today? Mm. Like, you know, who did you do it with? Did you enjoy being connected to them? Did you guys have fun? Mm. So is that is part of that kind of encouraging our kids to embrace their orientation, their identity and in the long term their sexuality to go, this is all the little bits that make you you? It's talking about who they are as a human. Yeah. Why they're lovable. You know, what they love about their friends. Because no one comes home and go, I really love that my friend has blonde hair. I really love that my friend has quite thin arms. <laughs> they don't say that. But and that's we, how we measure ourselves. That's they're going to like me because I've got thin arms. They're going to like me because I've got blonde hair. Or conversely, they're not going to like me because I've got brown eyes and they've got blue eyes. Yeah. It sounds we, nuts when we break it down, but that's what, that's what our they kids do. do and that's what we've done ourselves. Yeah, and I had this girl come into the office and it was really heartbreaking um, because she was wearing a mask and she didn't want to take it off. And that's unusual for the kids. Usually the first question is, can I take my mask off? Mm-hmm. And I said, are you comfortable in your mask? And she said, I much prefer wearing it. And I was like, oh, okay, why is that? And she said, because it hides part of me. Every girl that's in my class has blonde hair and blue eyes. She said, I have brown hair and brown eyes. She goes, I don't belong. I don't fit in my class. And it was really heartbreaking for me. Needless to say, we explored how challenging that was and, you know, the impacts on her and her belief system, but who she was and who they were. And after a few weeks she came in and she goes, I was actually a little bit wrong. We're far more similar, me and those girls, than I had anticipated. She goes, I've met some really great ones and we have so much in common and we're going out. So once we can remove the external shell, or not remove it but see through it to who the human is and have that sense of connection and belonging, 
all the other stuff disappears. Yeah. Well, from a genetic perspective, we've discussed this before, but humans are the most boring of the entire animal kingdom in terms of genetic makeup and physicality. We are so alike, but explaining that to a child is so difficult. It's really difficult and it is, I guess, saying I remember that feeling. Mm. I remember thinking that if I changed this, I'd be different. Because we do have such a habit as a society and particularly for our vulnerable teens of equating the way we look with what we have to offer the world. And I've got first-hand experience of that and I'm actually so grateful for it being hit by a bus in the face at 21, I really had to ask because I'll be honest with you, Angela, I was ready to end it when I saw myself in the mirror and I had to ask myself, did you become an actor so that you could tell people stories or to be on the cover of TV Week? And it was clearly the former. And when I embraced that, I came to realise that the way we look makes up 0.2% of who we are as a whole. The amount of time it takes to think about and act in order to fit into that 2% is phenomenal. The amount of thought and obsessional behaviours and obsessional thoughts and compulsive behaviours it takes to reach that Mm. takes away most of a human's capacity to have a life. And with our teens, it's a lot less visible because they don't have access to the money to go and get Botox and get their lashes done and get their tan. So what the time that they're spending is in their brains, you know, so... I remember being a teen and I remember, say, my mum saying to me at some point, love these remarks, this is the thing, parents, be careful because they stick. Um, (laughs) The mum mantra. um, And she said to me, oh, you're finally getting hips. It was mortifying. I don't know why it was mortifying, but it was mortifying. I'd always been a very lean child and she said, oh, you're finally turning into a woman and getting hips. I don't know if she was saying it was a good thing or a bad thing. But there was definitely a connotation of a bad thing. There was an undertone. Because another thing she had previously said to me was, oh, it's fine. If you ever need to lose weight, you just stop eating for a few days. So there was this messaging of healthy role modelling weight loss. And when I heard about the hips, it's like, well, clearly this isn't okay. And that really Mm. stuck in my head for a long time. And I was like, well, what can you do about hips? And I remember pondering that. It's like, well, how do you dress to hide your hips? Or can I still wear swimmers if I've got these hips? And becoming obsessional. And it was everything and, some, you know, I remember somebody offering me, I don't know, to go and do something with them and it was, you had to wear a bikini and it was with a big group and I was like, oh, I don't think I can go. What a ridiculous question because then everyone's going to see my hips oh my and God. they're going to realise and it became this thing and I was thinking that, that now if I get in front of the mirror because obviously these, our body image stuff doesn't ever go, like we all have it. Yeah. And us denying that we have it is just a ridiculous waste of everybody's time. But we all have a concern about how we present to the world. And now I can look in the mirror and be like, oh, my jeans are a bit tight today. And then that thought leaves my head and it is replaced by another one and I walk out of the bathroom and carry on with my day. Yeah. But that doesn't happen for adolescents. So what's the first way, like we've really unpacked this quite deeply for this mum, what's the first thing she should say to her daughter? Well... She shouldn't specifically target it straight away. She should talk about um, just who she is as a person, why she loves her and why she's so great. But be aware. Watch her. Notice Mm -hmm. if she's increasing her exercise behaviours. Notice if her body weight is dropping. Notice if she starts cutting her food into little pieces and pushing it around the plate. 
Notice if she is avoiding mealtimes with the family. Notice if she's avoiding socialising with her friends, mm-hmm. wearing baggy clothes, refusing to go to places where she has to wear swimmers, mm. like swimming carnivals or the beach with her friend. So anything that Start demonstrates heightened body, body awareness? Heightened body awareness and differences in eating behaviours, like significant differences in exercise behaviours, social withdrawal and weight loss. And mood changes? Does, mood changes, yeah. yeah, for sure. Going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. After eating, yep. spending excessive time, more so than before, and not just that natural adolescence, a bit more time in my room, but withdrawing socially from the family as well. Mm. And this isn't for you to challenge. You are not a professional with an eating disorder and they can be fatal. The sooner we get onto an eating disorder, if that's what it is, the better. If you've identified some of those things you've enumerated, yep. you know, um, body image changes, withdrawal Avoiding yeah. food, mood changes. Yeah. Should you, where should you go? What's your go first to your doctor call? Yeah. and talk to your child about it. Say, look, I've, I've noticed and then name the specific behaviours. Mm. Don't just say, look, I've noticed you've been a bit weird around eating in your body lately. Mm. Say, I've noticed that at dinner sometimes you push your food around and don't really eat a lot. And I've noticed that you've really stopped going and hanging out with your friends. I'm just a bit worried about you. Do you want to talk about what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like something's happening for you and I'm concerned. You know, it's just opening a conversation again Yeah, and then they can talk to you about it or they say, you know, I don't know if you can handle it, mum, or I don't want to talk to you about it, mum. And you say, well, it's become so concerning for me that as my job as a parent, I'd love to go to the doctor with you so we can just check that your body's still healthy. Mm. Sometimes with these, with a developing eating disorder, it comes increased anxiety and anger. And so you might be met with rage. You might be met with really big emotional explosions. And once again, it's you being the earth. Yeah. You just stay and you say, wow, this looks really big. I'm not fighting you on this one. We are going to go to the doctor, but I can see it's really uncomfortable for you. Mm. Um, we can talk about it or you can tell me what you're worried about but I've decided we're seeing a doctor, you know, if it's at that point. But it's still giving them the voice. It's still hearing them. It's not stopping them talking. It's hearing their rage. It's hearing their anger and saying, yeah, I hear that. And as a preface to all of that quite active um, intervention, Mm -hmm. is it key for parents and caregivers to look at their own behaviours, look at what they're role modelling in the home? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is just for every parent, whether these behaviours have developed or not, just developing an increased awareness of your relationship with your body and food and how you vocalise that to your child. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't, you might even want to go see if you're really trying to figure out if you've actually got some stuff or if it's coming out, go and have a chat to someone. Go and have a chat to a counsellor and say, I've noticed that my food stuff's coming up a little bit and I really don't want to pass it to my child or I've noticed that I actually want to have a diet and do this exercise stuff for me but I'm really worried I'm going to put it onto my daughter. How do I manage that? And if we... We're all different mm. in some way. We all have different metabolisms and, and different genetic makeup. So even if every person on the planet went on the same diet, we'd still be different shapes and sizes. And I think that's really important to normalise mm. puberty and the changes yep. um, that are going to occur as we approach adolescence. And also as we get to do that, if we notice that we're withdrawing or even before that, as soon as we can talk about 
self-worth, their strengths, mm. all of it, you know. Keep the conversation about, you know, who they are, what they like, talk about feelings, get them involved in sport if possible. Yep. The sense of belonging in a sporting team. And really, getting into their body and not getting them out of their heads. That's it. And being part of something bigger than themselves. We'll be back next week with more Meanagers, but you can keep the conversation going by joining us on Instagram. We're Meanagers Podcast. You'll find a link in the show notes and in our bio to help you leave a voice message about your Meanager troubles so you can be part of the show. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.